0: Coming to you live and in person, it's the Sons of Honarchy Podcast. Very excited to bring you some White Sox talk. It's your boy, Steve-O. You can find me on Twitter, at DrunkShySoxFan. And joining me is... Uh, take Tommy. So on this episode of the Sons of Honarchy Podcast, we are going to be talking about... Well, it's been a minute, so
1: probably the World Series, probably the new manager. How we were very wrong about it being between Ozzy and Kevin Long. <laughs> and, but anyway, all this brought to you by
0: Just Us, so um, make sure you rate, subscribe, review. We are your favorite four-star podcast because, you know, we live in the four-star city here in Chicago, and our favorite team is the, you know, the, the team in the city with the four-star flag. I, I, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, you know we're your favorite four-star podcast, so make sure you go rate, subscribe, review. Uh, Tom, how have you been this week? We haven't even really... You've been here at my place. We're recording on the ass end of the blue line here um tell me about your week because I, I feel like i haven't even heard anything about that so i basically had a shit week at work work sucks i know
1: but we have uh wakana forever out Went and watch that enjoyed it speaking of chicago there's a big chicago reveal there's a new Marvel universe, you're gasping like you could give zero fucks. The Ironheart, the replacement for Iron Man, is gonna
0: is a Chicago native. Wait, so there is it a mixture between Iron Man and Braveheart? No, it is not. It is not a Scottish motherfucker with a kilt and
1: shit. It's a, a female student from Chicago at MIT. It doesn't matter. You don't care.
0: Mel Gibson
1: fuck you so i went and watched Gone forever enjoyed it you should get out there watch it i i didn't cry i thought i was going to when they brought up chadwick
0: boseman they brought out chadwick huh
1: yeah because he was black panther and now he's dead as hell so thanks for reminding me
0: was he embalmed bro (laughs) i know (laughs) too soon well tom what are we what are we? We're a White Sox baseball podcast. So. We we are a White Sox baseball podcast. So guess what we should talk about, Tom? Uh, the plasma donation center nearest your home. That not nearest my home, but <laughs> Pedro Griffall, uh For those of you that live on the northwest side of Chicago, you'll understand the Griffalls reference right there. Uh, the plasma center.
1: Yeah, if you want to donate plasma griffoles is the best place to do it not that it has to do with our uh new manager but you know there might be
0: some correlation an uptick in plasma donations in the city of chicago Uh, is there a connection between giving blood and you know the life of this team possibly is there a nice little uh metaphor there for the white Sox?
1: uh You'd hope so. But young blood. We're introducing young blood. We're introducing new blood from outside the organization. You know, maybe it will mix in the, uh, e, uh, let's say, ecosystem of the White Sox here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is a bad idea. This is a bad metaphor. Um,
0: <laughs> but, but Are you excited for the Pedro Griffol <laughs> managerial experience, Tom? I am excited about the Griffol experience.
1: Um, I, I, I think the main thing is that when you hear about him, it's a lot of the smart people like the hiring. A lot of the people out there in the, like the baseball universe said, oh, this is a good thing. I think Eduardo Perez went to bat for him, which was something that was unexpected. I don't know why Like that national voice was like, hey, this guy's the fucking bee's knees. He's going to be great. But the fact that he did that, a lot of other folks, a lot of national people are like, yeah, he's going to be good. That's a good sign. Um, I, I really don't love that he's coming off the kc tree i think i'm not <laughs> this isn't news to anybody but fuck kc and their and the royals and yeah I'm, i'll bring the city into it fuck the the city and the royals that play there i uh, it's it's not inspiring having somebody come out of that shit organization and come over and manage our team however however he does have a ring he did preach the gospel of analytics to Ned Yost and other old heads out there in, in KC. And th- there might be a, a way where he can push back against the current lack of implementation of analytics in Chicago and and get that to the forefront. And we officially have cleaned house of all that cronyism hirings that had been there in the, in the dugout for so
0: long. That feels good. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic I think that's I'm more optimistic than you I think and I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that this is somebody who's completely out of the organization right the White Sox have not hired a manager that didn't have a previous connection any previous connection to the Chicago White Sox franchise since Gene Lamont okay in the early 1990s right I mean, we're talking three decades, Tom, of Chicago White Sox baseball that brought in former players and guys who were somehow connected to the front office or have had a history with the team. And we know that outside of 2005, the history of this team the past three decades has been an absolute disappointment. So I absolutely love the hiring of going outside, getting Pedro Grafal, a guy who Loves the idea of bringing in more voices because when we look at the lineup construction, which is something that we preached about, especially during the first two months of the season last year, that was something that irked so many people. And it just seemed like Tony LaRussa was kind of overriding whatever, whatever say an analytics department would have, or, you know, what other voices around the team had to say about who was playing where um with that obviously you bring up the royals but i do have to say this about it being somebody from the royals is this is a guy who's seen the team on the field 19 times a year for however many years and on top of that he wanted to come here he sees the talent that's on the field And he wants to be a part of that. He still chose this job regardless, right?
1: Yeah, there's something to be said about that. And I think that, I mean, the main thing is that he's got the book on us already. Like, the the, KC's always played us well. But, and big but, this confirms my crackpot theory, the tinfoil hat theory about fucking Rick Hahn seeing the Royals kick his ass all through the early part of this last decade and say I want everything that was KC Royals 2015 because he's gotten big bullpen arms he's gotten Pedro Grifol now he, he, every reliever that's ever done anything against us in the playoffs he immediately signs them the next offseason this
0: motherfucker thinks we're the KC Royals of 2015 are you mad about Rick Hahn now because I'll be honest too if you look at that I'm not sure if you watched any. Any of the presser but Rick Hahn was the happiest he's been possibly in years about this Pedro Griffal as the manager of the Chicago White Sox
1: I think it's fair to say that he is happier than he's been in the last two years for sure I don't know there's something that happened in those two years that made him upset I'm I there was something in the off season of uh 2019 to 2020 uh there's an old
0: uh wait are, are you talking about you know the 77 almost 78 year old man who needed a pacemaker installed at the end of the season
1: Oh, oh yeah, yeah yeah, that's right. Tony De Russo, that's right. Um yeah, I think that's fair though that he had that reaction to Tony De Russo well documented that he that wasn't his guy and now he's got his guy and he's grinning ear to ear and really sees a, a hope and a future. But the thing is I I don't actually want to jump on the like Rick Han hatred train that you've been on for the last, you know, decade. But I do I do want to mention that I feel vindicated. I feel absolutely like confirmed that my conspiracy theory about that, because I've been saying this for literally years, Steve. You know this. Like, I've always said all of Rick Hahn's moves are just based out of the trauma that he had losing to the fucking Royals over and over again in the early teens of this century. Like, he just cannot handle the fact that he got his ass whooped for, like, seven years by the fucking Kansas City fucking Royals, and he's done everything he can to replicate that organization with the White Sox, which, is that a good choice? Uh, That's up to you all to decide. But, I mean, fucking,
0: he's done it. He fucking got his guy. Are we going to be better or fucking worse off for it? I don't know. I think the team is better off for it. And once again, it, it's, it comes back to this idea of they're bringing in a guy that's the GM's guy, not the owner's guy. A guy who has a little bit more of a pulse on the team, right? And a little bit more of a, of a pulse in general. <laughs> so I, I do have to say this. It is – he's going to have to prove it, right? He's going to have to prove it. And I will say a credit to Pedro Griffal already for – Going out into the community and getting to know people and getting to know fans and trying to create that buy-in on the South side again, because that's something that Tony Larusa never did. There was a big culture swing, and I, I don't think people realize this. Think about how excited we were at the end of the 2019 season when the White Sox were what, 73-89? and 89. That was a terrible team a team that finished 16 games under 500 that still hadn't gotten to the playoffs at that point since tw- 2008. And we were more excited at that point than we were at the end of the 2020 season.
1: And we were more excited then than we were at the end of this last season as well. I mean, like things have changed like in a very short period of time, obviously. But you're right. I mean, I think that the whole city has a different vibe about Having him at the helm instead of La Russa at the helm, that's not news to anybody. However, what you hinted at is that he went out into the community, did like the beef, like ordered a beef and got like it said read some books at like a Southwest side school or something like uh, a little bit of that is like, you know, he's doing what he's told, obviously. But I think the fact that you did not see Tony Larusa do it, there is there is something there. Like, as much as, okay, he's doing a PR tour, whatever, I think the the thing to note is that not that he did it, but
0: that Tony fucking didn't, you know? 100%. And now I got to ask you this, though. Obviously, we talked about how this is an outside hire. I mentioned that a couple of times already here. Do you think that him being Cuban... Or being, you know, having those, those Cuban, parents who are Cuban immigrants that came to the States, this idea of him being Spanish speaking, do you think that is also another big reason why they hired him over a guy who I was talking up a couple weeks ago, big time, and Kevin Wong? I think an important thing to note with Kevin Long is he might
1: not have been available. <laughs> that's something that we completely glossed over in the, in the last episode we recorded is that he had the team option from Philly that could have been exercised and, and you know, they can say, no, you can't like the Phillies have the authority to say, no, you can't go and like take interviews. Um, so I think that that's a big part of it, but I, I think that somebody mentioned recently, I can't remember who to credit this idea to, but it's it's like speaking Spanish in today's MLB is such a low bar for a manager. It's like that's almost expected part of communication at this point. I mean, fucking La Russa spoke Spanish, right? And he was able to communicate in that way. It's not necessarily that you can speak the literal language Spanish, but how effective of a communicator are you in general and then the Spanish helps and I think that's more important than you know that connection I think it's more uh, important that well I think it's not as important that he has the Cubano connection or whatever um, except it guarantees that Jose Abreu is coming back oh and he's from Miami so that means that uh, well we know somebody else is from Miami
0: Mr. 305 Yasmani Grandal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, were you talking about John Jay?
1: I was talking about John Jay, Yasmani Grandal. I'm talking about maybe in the off season of when is when is Machado's contract up? We could get Machado. Dude, this is this is a long game, the long play. We're gonna get Machado in his age 38 season back on the South Side, back on the South Side, because he visited one time.
0: We do love old Manny's on this team, right? Him and Manny Ramirez both. <laughs>
1: Well, they're both going to be basically fucking hall of famers at the end of their career. So, uh, anyway, all that to be said, I gloss, I, I shouted it out really quick and didn't give you a
0: chance to rebut. Um, does this confirm Jose Abreu is coming back to the South Side? You know, I want to table this Jose Abreu discussion later because I still have coaching, uh, coaching staff, um, managerial staff things to comment on. If that's okay with you, I uh, no, I'm not okay with that. All right, I'm going to do it anyway. So I wanted to ask you about our boy, the guy who we wanted the White Sox to fire Larusa for at one point and bring in, at least I think both of us wanted this, is Charlie Montoya. And now he is the Chicago White Sox bench coach. I'm going to be 100 with you, and then I want to hear your opinion. I am more excited about the Charlie Montoya on the coaching staff experience than the Pedro Griffal experience.
1: Well, I think you can't say that you're more excited. I I, I think that Charlie Montoya on the coaching staff is a result of Pedro Griffol on the coaching staff. So if you're excited about that, you were just. I I just fundamentally disagree with you on that point, but.
0: Fair. I mean, but think of it this way you've got Pedro Griffol and Charlie Montoya instead of. Tony La Russa, and Miguel Cairo. I mean, that's 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 win-win, right? Big win-win. And uh, you also lost uh, Super Joe and DeBo and Frank Menekino. Thank God. Frank Menekino is officially out. The reports have Mike Tosar as the uh, new hitting coach for the White Sox. I'm not how I, you know, 100% sure how I feel about this, but he's another KC guy.
1: Well, the thing about you you can kind of hope that well the main thing is that the fuck the home run era is over that that's what matters and you can argue whether or not the hitting coach is going to be a big influence or not but I think what matters is that the message of let's hit 300 and that's the main goal the fact that that is no longer going to be the preached message and you can see people influ- like saying hey let's try to slug a little bit that is more important than the who in my mind cuz it's not like i mean no one else nobody else in the entire league is saying batting average is more important than any other stat except i mean if i was there i'd say that but like <laughs> but but i'm not the coach and like that that's good that's a good thing And I think literally anybody else insert any other name in the league besides Frank Menachino, and you will have a better hitting coach.
0: Right. Exactly. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, you and my dad would be the two people uh, fighting for batting average. and uh, Batting average and RBI, the most important stats in the league. That's why Jose Abreu is God to you, right?
1: Well, that's 100% factual. First of all, he is God to me, and he is the RBI king, and that is important. And RBIs are a skill. Fuck everybody else who thinks otherwise. Is Jose Abreu coming back, Steve? You, you've been dragging me along too long here.
0: I really want to talk more about Mike Tosar. You're really... You're really not letting me do this. You really want to hop on this Jose Brave train right away? Well, because I fucking love him, but fine. Tosar, go. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so Mike Tosar, just a little bit of history. I know I called him, you know, a guy from the Royals organization, but he's more than that, okay? Um, You know, after he retired his, you know, in his playing days, um, he was a scout and hitting coach. Uh, in the Rays organization, he then moved to the Marlins organization and the Twins organization, and then served as a single A hitting coach for Seattle. Had a long stint as the international scouting or in the international scouting department for the Los Angeles Dodgers as well. So he's got a history of seeing many different perspectives, many different organizations, and a lot of those organizations, with the exceptions of the Dodgers, being small market organizations, so not depending so much on money. So I mean, that gets me a little pumped. Yeah, and I like the fact that he was the international
1: he was involved in the international scouting of the Dodgers because that's been really successful for them. And you know, just the that bloodline or that pipeline rather is has a history of success. So, and you know maybe it's not a small organization and he was part of that but that's almost a better thing is that like who who would you want to be as a major league who would you want to emulate if you're a GM probably the Dodgers but if you're Rick Hahn it's the Royals but you know whatever like it's still that's a good
0: influence to have agreed absolutely agreed all right now you want to talk about Jose Abreu Tom yeah it's confirmed he's coming back no, 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 no. And here's the thing: I know we got the Cuban connection here with Pedro Griffal in the dugout. I just, I, wh- what is it about Jose Abreu that makes you think that the White Sox are going other than loyalty? Because that has been a big thing in the Jerry Reinsdorf-owned teams in Chicago that we've watched time and time again. Is this idea of, I want my guys. In certain spots. And Jose Abreu is kind of that franchise piece in a sense that has the glue that's held everything together in the shitty years. I get it. But outside of that and outside of moving forward and the steps that the White Sox organization are taking right now to move forward and in a different direction, what makes you think that Jose Abreu is still a part of the fold?
1: I think that there's something to be said about continuity in. A dugout that's going through as much change as it's going in and I think that I'm you'll, there is an argument there for fuck it tear everything down from the studs after last season because of how shitty and and underwhelming it was however and that's a big however you do need to hold on to leaders when you can leaders that matter to the, the to the whole team Jose Abreu is absolutely the leader that I think any team should want because he leads in a way that's like stubbornly like workhorse you know he's not the kind of leader that would be like just watch the way I play don't do what I do he's the kind of leader that's like I'm gonna do what I do and that's work my fucking ass off to be out there as often as possible and do the absolute best I could possibly do for this team and like Anything that the coaches ask, I'm going to do it. That's the kind of leader that you'd want around to con- like, you want that continuity. And I get that Andrew Vaughn is the next best thing, whatever. But this is the year that you start to trade off time. You don't give him the, you don't anoint him the first baseman and just like walk away. You give him the opportunity to trade time at first base. That's, that's what good teams do. They expect that their core player is going to have, you know, parts of a season that are going to open the door for availability for another player. They insert that player. That player does well enough to prove that that's his position. And then you input him in the following season. That's our new guy. Bring Jose Abreu back on a one-year contract. Trade off time. Get the last squeeze out of – give fucking Jose the t- farewell tour that he deserves, first and foremost, and I know that's like, you know, pride, passion, tradition. That's like – that's a little too much White sox thoughts. But you, you got to give him a, a farewell tour that he deserves. He's a good enough player to deserve that. Let him trade off some time with with Andrew Vaughn at first base. Get Andrew Vaughn's feet fucking under him at first base. He hasn't played first base on a continuous day-to-day basis at the major league level ever. Let him do that. Trade off first base DH. Get Jose back in a White Sox uniform, and uh, let's fucking
0: turn the page next year. So, now mind you, Andrew Vaughn's most of his experience in college in the minors, it's been at first base. So it's not, it's yeah. And his, his short time in the minors, as you, as you mock me with the, the quotations there with the, with the minors, I understand that it's been his primary position since he was in high school. Okay. Andrew Vaughn, it's not going to be a hard thing for him to pick up first base. First base is not now, mind you, there is some skill, and there's definitely a big difference between the Matt Olsons of the world and the Frank Thomases of the world when it comes to being able to play defense at first base. The White Sox historically have had very poor defensive first basemen, and, and Jose Abreu actually has been a ton better than Paul Konerko or Frank Thomas ever were at the position. But I will say this, it's not, especially at Andrew Vaughn's age, it's not going to be particularly hard for him to pick up first base and learn how to play a solid defensive first base. It, it you got to think about the future right now. And 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 by the future I mean you got to think about you got to think about the future and the present at the same time. And I think Jose Abreu fills a very present need. Somebody that is is good and somebody that is going to kind of solidify your offense, solidify your, your clubhouse culture, be a workhorse. However, we're asking a guy in his age, almost, it's going to be what, age 37 year, to be an absolute workhorse again. And I think that's really tough. On top of that, you have to think about this is a Jerry Reinsdorf-owned team. And a Jerry Reinsdorf-owned team is probably not going to break the bank when it comes to free agency unless for example they don't re-sign a guy like Jose Abreu cuz it's going to be probably 2 years 40 mil
1: I don't think that you well that's the thing is like first of all you're you have a new manager now who can implement a new philosophy around Jose Abreu you're not you my whole point is that this is the year that you do not ask him to be a workhorse you ask him and you know you don't ask him you tell him you are here to play almost every day but a lot of that is going to be at DH a lot of that is going to be at DH and you're going to give Andrew Vaughn the opportunity to play first base 60 games and and that's it's just that is the best path forward that i can see for getting Andrew Vaughn ready for long-term success and Letting the Jose Abreu era end in a way that doesn't have a fucking sour taste in your mouth. The last time that Jose Abreu was in a White Sox uniform was people at the stadium chanting his name and he wasn't, like, with it enough or, like, in himself enough to come out and give the salute that the fans wanted. Mind you, the Sox were losing in the last game of a really disappointing season, so I'm not going to fault Jose Abreu for not coming out at the top of the steps and saluting the crowd. He also probably wants to come back, you know, so he didn't want to give that as like a, hey, I'm saying goodbye. It, it, the, the whole mood was wrong. I'm not going to fault him for not saluting the fans there. I think a lot of people do want to fault him for that. I don't. Point being that you want that to be the last moment for Jose Abreu? No. Is he still a good enough player that he can make an impact on a World Series caliber team? Absolutely. In my opinion, absolutely. I think he's the best free agent White's, uh, first baseman on the market. Rizzo is also there. Fuck that guy. He's a Yankee for life. I I just this is this is Jose Breu's clubhouse in a lot of ways. He's the veteran. He's the Cubano, like through line. He should have a place in the dugout still. Let him do the trade off time with Andrew Vaughn. I don't know that if this if this is gonna happen. This is the preferred scenario in my mind.
0: I get where you're coming from. I truly get it, Tom. But let me ask you a quick question. Would you be okay? Would you survive with Andrew Vaughn being in your starting lineup every single day next year?
1: There is a way to do that with Jose Abreu being a first baseman on the White Sox.
0: Are they trading Gavin Sheets then?
1: Fuck yeah, they're like just releasing him on unceremon- No, he can he can continue to play in the outfield and kind of like fuck around and whatever.
0: Which we know, Gavin Sheets is absolutely atrocious out in the outfield. The only person that makes Gavin Sheets look competent in right field is Andrew Vaughn, which is pretty impressive and also makes sense because all he did was play first base in college. Now, here's my problem, is then you are banking on your outfield. Your your outfield staying healthy, right? The outfield's because now A.J. Pollock has turned down his player option and the White Sox, and I think we're kind of excited about that, right?
1: I think it's, first of all, hilarious. Like, I don't know what he thinks he's going to – he must have just hated it here. That's the only thing that I can think of. But, yes, you're relying on even fewer outfielders than you thought you were going to have. I get where you're going
0: with this. So you've got – now, mind you, to stay healthy as well is one thing. But right now, your opening day lineup is Eloy in left, Robert in center, and Sheets in right, question mark. Andrew Vaughn in right, question mark. It, I mean, we're running it back, aren't we? Adam Engel. Adam Engel, baby. Adam Engel should not be re-signed. He should not be given an option.
1: No, I, I think that the Adam Engel experiment is come to an end. And the the issue, though, is that you need more people in your outfield. It's just it, you if you're counting on Eloy to have a full season, he's done it. He hasn't. He hasn't done it. If you're counting on Robert to do it, have a full season, he hasn't done it. Gavin Sheets is, is not a right fielder. <laughs> um, and, and, like, I, I like Gavin Sheets in a platoon role in right field. I'm not going to lie. I, I like that. I don't think because I don't think defense really matters. But the point being that he outfield defense The point being that if he's platooning in that position, it's a different kind of a different idea.
0: Yeah, yuck. So basically, we're running back the outfield from last year is what you're telling me, with the addition of Oscar Colos when he's ready. And, and and to be honest with you, I had this conversation with Carrie and uh, magnificent Stan Bryan um, on the Believe podcast. Uh, go check out Believe in the South Side, selfish plug right there. Um, but we talked about Oscar Colos being on the 26 man roster. At this point, he probably is, right? At this
1: point, but I think you're forgetting that they're going to go sign Aaron Judge.
0: <laughs> like I said, I will literally do, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a podcast shirtless. I might do one in the nude. How about that? In my boxers. Um, on both episodes. On Sons of Honarchy and I Believe in the South Side, I will do a full episode in my underwear if the White Sox sign Aaron Judge. I... I think that you're gonna have to strip down. is
1: is what I'm gonna say. The, there, I there's a couple. There's a couple things here. I I am believing in the pipe dream that Aaron Judge comes to the South Side only because he's the absolute perfect fit. Like this is this is the guy that you should break the bank for. And it can be argued that he he might not. He's not 25. He's 30. And there's the concern about how his body type holds up over, you know, age 36 season. You know, if you want to sign him for six years and whatever. But, but this is an organization that said, we're going to spend a big amount of cash on such and such and such. They haven't signed a superstar yet. They were in on a lot of superstars. Here's a superstar fitting the exact needs that you had, mind you. You know you could have argued that Manny Machado was me- meeting your exact needs, but you did have Yoan Moncada. You could have argued that Bryce Harper was going to meet your exact needs, and you're absolutely fucking right. He would have. But <laughs> like the this is the time where you can say we really need need to set. A precedent here as an organization that is competing for a, Ma- a world series championship after a year that was in the fucking shitter this is the time for J- for rick Hahn to s- wake up the fan base and say okay we're dead fucking serious i know you guys saw that last year sucked but we are dead fucking serious this is a contending team that's the way to do it sign aaron judge if if he doesn't get signed you know hey everybody else is right i'm wrong but this, I, I have a feeling that there is a chance. There is a chance.
0: So here's, my, here's the problem. If you re-sign Jose Abreu and you have Aaron Judge, you are a $250 million team. You're a $240, million, $250 million team next year. Is Jerry Reinsdorf actually going to do that? There
1: is precedent that he would spend near the top of the league.
0: That much money. I mean, you, you're you what, then? Third in the league? You're going to be behind the Mets and the Dodgers. Inflation, dude. Behind the Mets and the Dodgers. You actually think the White Sox are going to be there?
1: No, I, I, I think that there's there would be payroll shedding that would uh, be involved as well. I think you'd see a trade for Liam Hendricks. I think that's like 1A is something that you would see. I think you would see maybe a trade for... i I don't know i i think you would try you would look at possibly shedding payroll in other places and it's it's not impossible um it's again like i i don't think that this is a hundred percent guarantee but it is something that i think why the
0: fuck not i mean aaron judge makes all the sense in the world i absolutely agree with you he would be the perfect fit for the south side especially on a six, seven-year deal. He's absolutely the guy that you want to be the cornerstone of your franchise. The problem is that, you, number one, you wouldn't be able to re-sign Jose Abreu, and you wouldn't, and yeah, Liam Hendricks is all but gone because it would take a total shakeup of your, of your roster in order for it to fit what Jerry would be willing to spend on a team. It, I mean, everything would have to be thrown out the window, the whole model of what's been built since 2018 just gets completely shaken up and thrown out and i don't think that the front office is completely willing to sell on that i think they're of the idea and rick Hahn said it in the presser with pedro grafal when he was announced as manager that this team has the has the core pieces he actually said that this team has the core pieces and the talent to be back where they were they need to be supplemented however He referred to supplementing. So I just want to reiterate that and tell you that, you know, there's a better chance of Jose Abreu being re-signed than Aaron Judge coming to the White Sox for sure. Now, the money, there should be some money spent. I think we have to get realistic, though, on who's available. And I'll let you go into this one. And I'm going to need to hop out of the room to grab coffee as well as just not hear you rant about this because... First off, I was worried I'd, I'd have to hide the toaster and, and the knives at your house when it was announced that he was no longer going to be on your actual favorite team.
1: Motherfucker. Okay, so Carlos Rodon is available as a free agent. He he has opted for free agency, and that is exactly where you knew I was going. That is exactly where I'm going. I, I do want to quickly say, though, uh, as much as the Aaron Judge thing is a pipe dream, um you're right I think I think uh to to think that we shouldn't take Rick Hahn at his word when he says the core is in place we have what we need to win what has he been doing for the last couple of seasons he's been trying moves around the margins to make this team better his track record says that he's going to do that he's probably going to continue to do that um so I'll admit Aaron Judge is not a hundred percent likely. However, however, strap on those tinfoil caps. He says he works best when the White Sox are out of the news, when they're in the shadows. That's when he he's always said. That's when the White Sox work best. And Kenny and Kenny Williams always says, "Stay the hell out of White Sox business." Right? Okay. So if that's the case, then why wouldn't he say something like? We're definitely not in the free agent. Like, he basically said, we are not going to sign free agents. That might as well have been what he said. Well, if you want to operate in the shadows, then why wouldn't you say something to throw people off your scent, quote-unquote, to say that, okay, maybe we will go and be in the free agent, but how do we get these people off of our fucking tails? Well, that's a good way to do it. I'll tell you what. Um... Anyway, I'm done. I'm done. I promise I'm done with Aaron Judge for now. Carlos Rodan. Oh, no, here we go. Carlos Rodan. He's, he, he's a free us. agent. He's a free agent. And we need a, – a, we have four starting pitchers, Lynn, Cease, Giolito, whoa, uh, and Kopech, right? Okay, okay. Who's your five? A lot of people are saying Garrett Crochet. I don't think he's a starter. I don't care what you put, him, what you spent draft capital on him. He's not a starter. Um, if you wanted him to be a starter, you could have tried stretching him out before his injury. Now, after his injury rehab, if you want to win now, you just don't have the luxury of time where you can stretch him out in the minors. You wanna, you wanna use his arm, which is a high caliber arm, and you wanna use it this season. He's a reliever for you. If you want to use him in 2024, maybe he's a starter. Maybe. But you have to rev him up in the minors in order to get him to be a, a starting pitcher for for 2024. And for now, you have somebody who's a workhorse who's on the free agent market. You have somebody who's familiar with the White Sox on the free agent market. You have somebody who's done it before for your team on the free agent market. Carlos Rodon for the White Sox
0: 2023. He's the GOAT. So, let me ask you this. I, I and. You know, I'll give you Rodon. I think Rodon would be an excellent fit for this team. You gotta think about the four starters that they have right now, Tom. What do all four of those starters have in common? They cost a lot of money. I mean, Kopech's pretty cheap right now. Cease is pretty cheap right now. Win. I mean all I mean you can the thing is, Kopech and Cease, I know you told me arbitration. Kopech and Cease are not arbitration eligible yet. So, they're not in their first year of ARB yet. Um I, I'm pretty sure. Um, go ahead and you can uh, you could back check fact check me on that one uh, real quick when um, comparatively compared to what you get a veteran arm for with as you know I mean wins career has kind of been a little up and down but you got to think he was in 2021 he was a Cy Young finalist right um, so the fact that you're getting him for as much money as you are I guess ceases in his first year of ARB but at the same time he's not going to command that much money so thank you Tom for pointing that out. Giolito is going to cost you more this year than Cease, um, which is an interesting option as well. I mean, we have been uh, we've been kind of ranting in the past, you know, throughout the past year, especially the second half of the year, about Giolito. Is he good? Is he not? Is he back to being the worst, worst pitcher in baseball like we've joked about in the past? Um, let me ask you about Giolito, Tom. Sh- should they bank on him being the four on this rotation before we talk about free agent? options for pitching?
1: I think one thing to keep in mind for a lot of competitive teams, competitive teams is that four, five, six, seven starting pitchers are all kind of the same. Like your fourth, your fifth, your sixth starting pitcher. And if you're really good, your seventh and eighth starting pitcher, like a few of the Houston Astros, they're all kind of like the same production kind of value guy. Usually, usually if you're a contender, you have one, two, three kind of figured out. Um, sometimes you can do it with one and two. You have a one-two punch in starting pitcher, and you kind of like make it work with your three. Um, but all that to be said, we do have a solid one, two, three, if Lynn has a bounce back. Uh, <laughs> but you can count on Cease at this point, and you can count on Kopech, I think. Um, so, so that means that three is Lynn, maybe. Four is giolito and i'm okay with that being the case however you really do need another starter who is at major league level at least a four or five now who the fuck is that gonna be i think that a they have to be a free agent who like maybe maybe you could trade for like a guy that could do something maybe you could convince Cueto to come back on a you know minor league deal maybe you could figure out somebody else that's kind of of that ilk that you think cats can fix them I just don't want to assume anything about the fifth starter being not a big deal the fifth starter is a big deal because in my mind he's the same thing as your fourth starter in my mind you need a four or five that can play at the major league level, especially when Gio not a sure thing. And you can slide him down to five as kind of like the, ooh, cross your fucking fingers and your toes. Hopefully Gio will get you five today. I'm fine with Gio being in that role because he also has the op- the uh, ability, we've seen it at the major league level, to be an ace. Is he going to be that? Probably not. Can he be that? Sure. Best place for him, in my mind, because of those factors is fourth or fifth starting pitcher. Don't count him for anything.
0: No, I absolutely agree. I mean, there have been a lot of ideas circulating around that the White Sox do a sign-in trade with Lucas Giolito. I don't know if his value is that high. Obviously, you would have to package him. Now, here's the big thing, is Giolito would then be packaged with somebody like Andrew Vaughn. What would your thoughts be on that? So say Giolito and Vaughn are the main pieces going to a team for a starting pitcher. So like maybe Miami for Jesus Lazardo. Or you throw in some other pieces and you get Zach Gallen from Arizona. Thoughts on that? I uh, I I just it would be
1: hard to see that work, to be honest because you're you're selling low on giolito and you're selling in his last fucking year and he's the guy who's been said that i'm gonna go to free agency essentially like reading reading the tea leaves he wants to go to free agency okay um and he's an approve it year that means to me let's let him play this out his trade value is not uh, hey look i'm not in the mlb i'm not Rick Hahn, who is on the phone with these other GMs I think that his trade value is very low and especially considering you'd be giving him in the last year of his contract you would have to probably trade him to a team that wants to win now and does a team that wants to win now want Giolito probably not What the fuck's the point of packaging him with Andrew Vaughn when that's the case? Now, if you want to talk about trading Andrew Vaughn for a starting pitcher, actually, actually, now hold back. Forget everything I just said. Because if if you do, (laughs) I'm realizing now that if you do want to trade for a starting pitcher, you usually have to give something that can be filling that role for the short term back in that in that trade. So if you want to say what is Andrew Vaughn worth? A starting pitcher? Probably true. Probably true. And then that kind of does open up these these options. Maybe. Maybe. Um, you could also just like throw a stever at them and be like, hey, here is a starting pitcher, quote and quote, <laughs> and then give him to a shit team that doesn't give a shit anyway. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's interesting. I'll say it's interesting. It's not then you need to sign Jose Abreu too.
0: Jonathan Stever's value is about, you know, yeah, you gave me a big fat O. Um, that's, that's about correct. Um, I'm going to throw a few options out at you. Basically, if the money is spent, this is a an, if the money is spent thing, right? So let's just say that, you know, because Jose Abreu isn't officially on the books right now, and you've had AJ Pollock turn down his team option. You've had, uh, you've, told Josh Harrison that he's walking you've told Kyle Crick which really isn't that big of a deal that he's walking um let's just say you're playing with um you're, you're playing with 40 million AAV or like 35 million AAV um I'm gonna give you three options and you choose which one you want so option a you talked about Aaron Judge your pipe dream you can get Aaron Judge but you have to let Jose Abreu walk and then you have Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, Davis Martin. Okay, other positions that we've talked about the need for, right? The first base, the DH, the the fifth starting pitcher. Um, B, Oscar Colas, Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, Carlos Rodon. So then you get Jose Abreu back and you get Carlos Rodon back. I know that's probably what you want. Option C, you go out and get a top-notch outfielder like Brandon Nemo, which fills the actual needs of this team. Andrew Vaughn finally is your... All-time first baseman um, Gavin Sheets, DH most days. Um, you can also mix Yasmani Grandal in there into the DH mix, and then you bring in. A, you still have the money to bring in a starting pitcher like Carlos Rodon. Which of these options do you want?
1: I want to fundamentally disagree with you on C. I do not think that you have enough money with thirty-five in your world, where thirty-five million is what we have to work with. You do not have enough money to bring in Nimmo and Rodon. I disagree with you. How about Tyler Anderson then? Tyler Anderson is an interesting question. He was offered a qualifying offer, though. So, do you want to lose that draft pick when you pick up?
0: You you. When have draft picks meant anything to the White Sox? What have we gotten out of the draft other than you know top, when they're unless they're a top five pick?
1: Well, you had Nick Madrigal for a second, um, but. At
0: uh, exactly?
1: So. I think like that however however the argument for Tyler Anderson then is because of the draft pick compensation his value goes down a little bit his market might sink a little bit and he might end up around a 20 million dollar value which is the 20 20 million AAV
0: for Tyler Anderson no Carlos well, think about what Carlos Rodon got paid last year he got paid less than 20 mil a year AAV no 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 20 mil we're talking like that's at least a two okay think about what strowman got paid and that was when strowman was coming off of a decent year he was a two teetering on a three right he was in that two three range in in regard to a rotation i what is anderson anderson's like a a four five isn't he
1: Okay, right, but the, the, it is on the books. I'll, I'll make sure that you're aware Tyler Anderson was offered the qualifying offer by the Dodgers. What that means is that the offer is on the table for him for 19.6 million dollars. That is what the Dodgers think he's worth, apparently. So if the Dodgers are offering him 19.6 for one year, then the only thing that you could do to get Tyler Anderson is years. to you could offer years at a lower value but how much lower do you think you'd have to like you'd have to offer like four years at 17 16 to make it worth it to him to not to say no to the 19.6 on the table in my opinion in my opinion mind you he has to walk away from the qualifying offer before he can enter the free agent market I just I'm, I'm not convinced that's all that to be said all that to be said I think there is The fact that the qualifying offer right now this year is at 19.6, that does kind of set a like artificial market where it's like, if you're going for a short-term deal, which if you're the White Sox and your window is now, you're probably going to be offering short-term deals to these starting pitchers that are on the market. You're not going to be offering people four or five years. You're not going to be doing that, especially when there's not a track record of doing long-term deals for starting pitchers or relief pitchers for. The White Sox. That's just not something that the White Sox do. Now, if you're thinking that, then you're thinking 20 million a year per player, per starting pitcher. That's that's the that's the low bar, because the what the qualifying offer is at, at this point. And Carlos Rodon left 20 million on the table by saying no to the to the player option in San Francisco. So he thinks he's worth more than 20 million a year. That's what that tells me. Maybe it's just he wants security, he wants five year deal, maybe, right? However, I think you can't go that, that much lower than twenty million a year because he already said no to twenty million for this twenty twenty three season. Okay. All of that to be said, that's my long form argument for why this NIMO Rodon shit, option C that you gave me, Nimo Rodon, A V and Sheets in the in the positions that we talked about. I don't think that's realistic because I think Nimo is worth more than that. And I think Rodon is worth more than you're letting on now option a you gave me was judge aaron andrew vaughn sheets and davis martin as your fifth like that's like kind of what you're saying is like we're not getting a single starting pitcher that's that's fair okay option b being you have Colos come up and be your right fielder jose abreu then gets signed andrew vaughn and then rodan um I think that option B is the one that I want to go with because, look, because, look, no, no, no. I I, I know that that I I mostly I mostly want to bring Rodan in. I really do. Um, I don't think that you have a situation where. You can 100% count on your one, two, three. Lynn wasn't himself last year. You Gilito is definitely not in even the conversation of 1-2-3 right now because of the way that he played last year. Kopech is still not quite a proven commodity. And Cease, you know, there's volatility in starting pitching. Maybe he's not Cy Cease next year. Maybe he is a number two starting pitcher next year. It's possible. Um Let's just, and plus he just throws fucking sliders. At some point, people can probably lay off his slider. <laughs> like, I, I, I really want option A here, which is, again, you gave me Judge, Andrew Vaughn, Sheets, and Martin as the fucking, like, there's nobody actually for your fifth starter. Fuck it. I would want that option because Aaron Judge really sets a statement for the team. But I think B is more likely with Colas, Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn and Rodon being the core like position players that are that are in the positions that are we as fans are talking about in this offseason. And option C where you think that you can bring Nimmo and Rodon in in the same offseason when you're saying that judge is a fucking pipe dream, you want to bring Nimmo and
0: Rodon in as free agents, you're
1: high for that.
0: Do you think Brandon Nimmo is going to command more AAV than Jose Abreu? Yes because of the age how it's not possible I mean what do you think Jose Abreu is going to sign for two years 30 mil
1: I don't think that Jose Abreu is getting a two-year contract I think that at this part of his at this stage of his career he's going year to year as a mercenary that's just what happens at the end of your career these days so how much money is he
0: commanding in a one-year deal 13 mil you're kidding me you are absolutely off your rocker think about qualifying offers Qualifying offers are worth 19 mil. I mean, Jose Abreu is a one-year, 20 million type of player. He didn't even make 20 million last year, did he? Right. He didn't make 20 million last year. you got to think he's going to get paid more than he did last year, right? No, no, absolutely not. His, his market. It's all about
1: the market, and he's a 37. You've said so yourself. You think that he's not worth that much. You don't want to bring him back. Most people, in like, you're not – unlike a lot of people who see his value as decreasing most projections in the world say that he would be decreasing in value why would you think that he'd be worth more money now to the clubs he's a free agent he is this his market is what his value is to an MLB team I think that he will fall down to a 13 to 15 million dollar for one year, a prove-it deal to show that he can bring back his slugging percentage and be a platoon first baseman on a team, that's where his value is at this age. And I think that he'd be best served doing that on the White Sox for a 13 to $15 million value.
0: If you can get Jose Abreu for 13 mil for one year, then you absolutely do it. I just think he commands a lot more than that. I mean, think about the and I know his age is a factor, right? But when you're giving a guy just a one-year deal, you have to understand that players, especially in, in his age, right, They that's the kind of contract that they're seeking. Think about Nelson Cruz, right? There was a lot of one-year deals for him down the stretch, right? So that's the kind of deal that Jose Abreu is going to be striking for. And on top of that, you get more guaranteed money in in over more years right so it's more valuable for a team to just have that one year deal in the long run because you don't have to pay them over multiple years right so that plays to the player's advantage especially when you're a veteran player i think aav at least in the first year brandon nimmo next year i bet who at wherever he signs he will be making as much in 2023 contract wise not throwing out signing bonuses all that But on the books, Brandon Nemo makes as much as Jose Abreu next year.
1: I don't – the thing – the problem that I have with making this argument is that, A, we are not qualified to be making the argument. We're not not agents. We're not GMs. And we don't set markets for these guys. We can kind of look at what we think, but we're not definitive in, in what we're saying here. I have that problem with this argument. The second problem I have with this argument is that it's not our fucking money. So it's if we're saying that Jerry we're this entire argument is based around the fact that we know what Jerry's willing to spend. We do not know that. There's no way to know that unless if you're Jerry or Rick. And I I I'm just I'm putting that out there cuz a lot of the conversations that have been had on White Sox Twitter a lot of the conversations that have been had on White Sox podcasts recently have been this is the amount of money that Jerry's willing to spend who are you as a fan willing to see come in for this value these are your options it's like okay well I don't agree with the premise that we know exactly what Jerry's willing to spend and I don't agree with the premise that we know what players are values are going to be for sure now There may be smarter people who can say that they know exactly what the value of these players are, but there's always people who are willing to pay stupid money for people. Like, the Mets just signed Diaz for five years, $105 million. That is stupid money that just got thrown at him. Is there somebody who's willing to throw stupid money at Jose Abreu that will weigh up his value? It's possible. It's possible that, you know, a Pirates could see him as a stabilizing force, Actually, they just picked up G-Man Choice. So I don't, but, but the point is, like, there, there is a possibility that somebody would be willing to pay for a longer-term deal for him. But I think he's a mercenary at this point in his career. And I think that as a first baseman who has a bat, everybody has a first baseman who has a bat. So what's his market? His market is best served to come back as a con- con- continuity force for the White Sox, in my opinion. And that's why you can see him drop to that value. Now, again, I am not the expert, and so I don't love that that argument exists right now where we're assuming the value. We're assuming what Jerry's willing to spend. What I think we can definitively say, though, as White Sox fans is, what did we watch? What do we need? We need a starting pitcher. We need a second baseman, and we need a right fielder. Are we going to see that in the free agent market, or are we going to see that in the trade market? I don't know. I think that it's more likely to be in the trade market because of what Rick Hahn has said, and that's what we have to go off of. We have to go off of what Rick Hahn said, and I only made the argument that you could tie on your tinfoil hats earlier because that's really what you're doing. If, If you're saying that we're going to go sign a free agent, you have to like ignore the fact that Rick Hahn said out loud to the media we're probably going to be trading for people to get into the reality where we're going to be signing free agents so i i mean i just maybe maybe you could see two free agents with like outfield and starting pitcher unlikely but i think you'll maybe see one free agent this year And I think it's going to be a big one, in my opinion. You're probably going to see a couple blockbuster trades, which will change kind of the fabric of what we see as the White Sox. And that'll be interesting. But until we
0: see it, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. It's always easier to sign than trade. Just remember that. It's almost always easier, I should say. Almost always easier to sign than trade. There's just a lot less factors involved. When you throw a second team in the mix, that's like that you want something from, and they want something back from you. It just really makes things a lot more complicated, rather than okay, the best guy is on the market, or this guy is on the market, and he fulfills a need. The White Sox have very specific needs right now, and whether Rick Han goes out and fills those needs whether jerry spends the money like these are things that we don't know yet and you're right about that it's very hard the only thing we can do is i guess you call a tinfoil hat but it's speculation right it's a lot of speculation it's a lot of rumors but we all know as fans what the needs are it's very obvious it's glaring us in the face so prayers that our guy frederick goes out and takes care of business and that what taking care of business would look
1: like is trading from a position of strength the bullpen trading away not Andrew Vaughn but trading away Liam Hendricks, Joe Kelly, the uh, Aaron Bummer, uh, Deekman, all of these have value to teams because they have a history of success and they are set values they're not they're not values that are going to increase over time this is like okay we know what we're paying these guys and we know ish what we're going to get from them so let's say you package a like the the Dodgers bullpen is in shambles right now they could use a stabilizing force yes they've traded with us and had not great success trading with us very recently however we could give them and they don't give a shit about money so we could give them Three bullpen arms that they can, that you can say, hey, good luck finding a starter out of these or a closer out of these three, or we can give them a the Liam Hendricks and and like say, there's your there's your closer. Here's a couple other bullpen arms. Let's take a you know couple prospect or like a prospect or a outfielder from you. See what happens there. They have some young infielders that could be a good thing for the White Sox going forward. It's it's not. It, the, the trade market does seem like it's more valuable in that sense that we have shit that we can we have a position of strength that a lot of people or <laughs> we have we have bullpen pieces that people often trade for that we could potentially bring in somebody from somewhere i don't know i i just i'm just saying that seems like it's more
0: likely the case and maybe one splash in free agency my hope if they trade right Say they trade with the – dot because if you're talking from a position of strength, the White Sox bullpen, I, I don't know if it's a position of strength. On paper, it's a position of strength. When it comes to numbers last year, it was not a position of strength. Um, the only guy that is worth trading that teams actually would really want is Liam Hendricks. So I'm glad that you pointed out him and didn't try to say, oh, we could package Deekman and Jose Ruiz for somebody. Like, that's just not going to happen. The only hope I would – Have if they trade Liam Hendricks, first off, I don't want them to trade Liam Hendricks for some veteran who's performing below, you know, their expectations, right? I want them to go and trade Liam Hendricks for a prospect, and then the money you had wrapped up in Liam Hendricks needs to go be spent, right? I don't want to see a trade for a Liam Hendrick, trade Liam Hendricks for a couple prospects, see if they pan out in a few years, and then. Don't spend the money because that's that's not a win-now mentality. And right now, this year, next year, the White Sox still need to be in a win-now mentality after the way they tore it down and tried to rebuild.
1: See, what's great about that, what you just presented, is that's a winning franchise mentality where it's like, I have this commodity at this dollar value. Okay, who would need something like this, like a sure-thing closer? There's a lot of teams that want that. What are they willing to give up for it? Maybe some prospect capital that would secure your potential core moving forward so you could become the Dodgers of the AL Central. Like that, that's the kind of like, and the, and, and like you said, that frees up money to spend now and be the Dodgers of the AL Central now. That's, see, look, Steve, now we're talking. Now we're talking. These are options. These are things that can happen. Now, would I love to see Liam Hendricks in a White Sox uniform next year? Of course. He's a fucking great closer. He's, he's the greatest closer in the AL. Like that. Look at the fucking back of the baseball card. He's the highest war relief pitcher in the American League for the last couple of years. This guy's fucking nails. Do I want him in
0: another uniform? Of course not. However, we were a 500-ball club last year. <laughs> so Right, and teams that are 500-ball clubs that struggle to hit don't need to be investing most of their money or even a very large percentage of their money in their bullpen. They need to go out and get guys that can make a difference every single day on the field. Yes,
1: yes, and yes. Um, I think the last bit of information that I think I want to throw out there for White Sox fans is that the White Sox are second in the Amer- in the MLB in guaranteed contracts for 2023. They have 11 guaranteed contracts. That's the second most again. Like that's a lot. And that doesn't include your arbitration eligible players, I believe. Um so I look, like that means that there's a lot of money. There's a lot of uh roster spots specifically that are wrapped up in guaranteed contracts. That means that in order to kind of be able to pull guys in you need to kind of probably get some of these guaranteed contracts out of here so I think that what, what I think I'm trying to say is the White Sox in there, there's kind of two ways that we could look at this is that the White Sox are going to be who they are right now plus Pedro Graffol like good luck or the White Sox are going to be a very different team including Pedro Grifol on top of all the changes that are going to happen with a lot of trades so that you, you kind of lose people that you think of as the core of this team and you end up with not like Pedro Grifol and like just a different starting pitcher or something like that. Like that could be, we could be walking into a, a 2023 with an entirely or a very different squad now, would you be happy with that after a twenty twenty two disappointing season, or would you think that might be an over overcorrection? Where do you
0: kind of stand in that point? I'm honestly, I'm in the middle. Like, as long as that's okay to say, I know that's kind of an easy answer to give that I'm in the middle on that, but I, I really am. There's only so much you can do, I think. Like, Yasmani Grandal's trade value is not high. Yoan Mancata is just not worth trading at this point unless somehow you're going to find a third baseman that's going to fit all of your needs. And I just don't think the White Sox are going to do that. Um, Somebody like Aloy. I mean, are you really going to package Aloy in a trade? Are you going to package Andrew Vaughn in a trade? Or are these your cornerstone pieces? Are these guys that you're fully bought in on, right? And I think there was just so, there's so much talent and not enough talent development on the White Sox where you can still see the future in these guys. You can still see the future in guys like Aloy and guys like Andrew Fawn, guy like Yohan Moncada, um, Luis even, of course, right? Like, I think all of these guys have that I just mentioned have to stay, and it's going to take letting veteran guys either walk which they've, we've already seen it with Josh Harrison, right? We're going to let Josh Harrison walk. The big rumors about Jose Abreu not coming back to the south side. Um, I think it's letting veteran guys walk and then also trading other veteran pieces that you are able to trade for something of value. So Liam Hendricks is one of those. I could even see Aaron Bummer being one of those. Um, it, so that's why I always come back to the White Sox aren't going to re-sign Jose Abreu. Um, because that's a big shake-up, right? The guy who's been the glue for the last decade, almost decade, has is going to go walk away, right? So I think there's going to be enough of a shake-up, but I also don't see them giving up on Aloy, Yawan, Tim, Luis, um, a- AV, right?
1: That is, I think it's well said, and I think that kind of brings me back to Earth a little bit in the sense that I I don't think there's going to be, I, I think that if you look at the totality of everything and you see how disappointing 2022 was, I still think it would be an overreaction to say we're gonna trade from our core to get players to whether it's players for now or players for for down the road. I think that would be an overreaction, and I think that the only players who have real value. Outside of Liam Hendricks, because I don't think Liam Hendricks is part of the core necessarily, and he does have value. I think the only players that do have value on the White Sox for trades for players for now would be players in our core already. So I think that you're looking at a team who's got the second most guaranteed contracts in the entire MLB. You're looking at a team that is going to be your team. Uh, and that's really disappointing, like, uh, uh, barring, barring, like, one big free agent, maybe, or two not really big free agents. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I don't think that you're going to see a lot of change. You've already got a new manager. You've got, a, like, they're they're clean sweeping the fucking coaching department. I think that's your big change. Like, as disappointing as that is, and how early in the offseason that this is, I think that this is what we're going to deal with. Maybe they'll make some trades midseason because that's when bullpen value is highest, and bullpen value is what the White Sox hypothetically on paper have. I think that's where you're going to see some moves, to be completely honest, is middle, like July of next year is when you'll see something big happen for the White Sox. And cross your fingers, maybe J- Aaron Judge.
0: I can only wish and pray for Aaron Judge. Um, wow, that would be literally, literally the perfect fit, as we talked about. Tom, do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up this podcast? You know, we're, we're over an hour here, but I think we had a lot to cover today. So I want to hear you summarize all of your thoughts kind of in uh, – as quickly as you can and uh we'll send this thing off
1: well i think one thing that we didn't get to talk about was the world series let's put a bow on it the 2022 season is over crown their ass the houston astros if you want to crown their ass crown them ass um so like i i'm really happy to see dusty baker i'm not gonna lie i'm really happy to see dusty baker get his ring That means he's a Hall of Famer for sure. Does he deserve to be a Hall of Famer? You're damn fucking right he does. Um, Listening to him take interviews is just a joy, to be completely honest. Um, Fuck the Astros, but love myself some Dusty Baker.
0: Yeah, it's, it's thinking about Dusty Baker's career. He's kind of like the Buffalo Bills. Up until this year, he was kind of like the Buffalo Bills of the MLB. Like, he had been to so many World Series and fallen short on so many occasions, just couldn't get it done on the big stage. Um, and it's nice to finally see him win one. Um, he seems like an amazing guy in dusty wee trusty, as they used to say on the north side. Um, but it's nice to see a, a, an old vet manager who's been in the league, who cares about the game a lot, who, you, you know... Couldn't get it done for a while, but finally gets one. So it just sucks that it's with Houston. Obviously, I I was pulling for the Phillies, baby. Um, I put one of my DraftKings free bets on uh, the Phillies. But all all that being said, it's uh, it's cool to see that happen for Dusty. And God, I hate that the Astros just look like they are going – they are built for the – talk about a team that's built for the future – they are built for the future, man. They got so much young talent on that team.
1: They have all that talent that won them the 2017 World Series. Like a lot of that's still around, and now Jeremy Pena won the ALCS and AL World Series and the World Series MVPs. Like that guy is fucking phenomenal. They they had Correa and now they have Jeremy Pena. Fuck
0: that. Think about losing a superstar like Carlos Correa and you replace it with an absolute stud young player. Like that's what the White Sox should be able to, like a system that the White Sox should be able to try and emulate and they just can't. I mean, you've got to build up an analytics department. You've got to build up a player de- player development department. Uh, I hope that this change of regime brings about that success that the White Sox are are needing because when you think about money being spent, Houston spent less money this year than the White Sox.
1: And that's a great fucking point. And To wrap up kind of like the whole podcast, I think the best way to do it is what the White Sox should be doing is emulating the Houston Astros. What they are doing is they are emulating the Kansas City Royals. So that's your team, guys.
0: Hopefully we get one championship out of it. That's all I'm asking for. Really? Just, just one. Just give me one. That's all I want. 2015 Royals, let's roll it back with the White Sox. All right, Tom, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe some of my trust in Han is back. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you close us out. In Han we trust. Develop some goddamn talent we must. Have a good one, everybody. We will see you all next week. Bye.